0: Excellent, thanks very much for that. So, yeah, my name is Jeremy. I'm one of the elders at Real Life Church. I'm married to Becky, and we have um, three children. Um, and it's all changed in, in the Douglas Jones household at the moment. Joel, who is 19, is going to his second year at university out in Nottingham, um, and he this is this is out of halls and into a private accommodation with three other guys so yeah he's he's going up there tomorrow with becky to to have a look at the house and make sure that he's got everything he needs so big changes there for him caitlin who is 17 is going into her final year at secondary school year 13 finishing her a levels this year and isaac who is 10 is going into year six and and doing his final year in in primary school. So yeah, we're getting our heads around around all of that. Um, It's it's gonna be a big year for us. And yeah, we're just looking forward to seeing what what the kids get up to and and how they develop over the year. Um, But most importantly, we're really happy that they can all get to school and uni and that they can be with their friends. So um, yeah, I suppose as with everyone else, we're praying that that continues uh, without disruption. So, yeah, it's my privilege to to be closing the um, Keep Going series, and it's been wonderful uh, walking and listening to Paul as he writes this final letter um, to to Timothy and and listening to the advice that he gives Timothy, the encouragement that he gives him, um, the stirring that that he offers, but also the, the sort of Personal connection and, and his desire to, to see Timothy. And we're going to look at that a little bit more tonight. Um, but before we do that, it would be great if we could pray um, that God would open up his word to us and, and um, that his word that is living would, would do its work in our hearts and our minds so that our theology becomes our Practice and it works its way out in our thoughts and our words and our deeds. So, Lord, as we come to you at this time, as we come to your word and we submit ourselves to, to its authority, Lord, I pray that you speak and you work through your words, that you reveal yourself to us, that you stir our hearts and that you stir our minds and that you empower us and strengthen us to to be more and more like your son Jesus Christ amen so some of you know I grew up in in Port Elizabeth it's a, a city on the the southern coast of South Africa and in in many ways an insignificant city by by world standards but such a, a nice place to live you know you'll be able to Google it and see, we've got lovely beaches. Um, It's a a harbour town. Um, It's important in terms of logistics for the country. It's also a sort of hub of the the motor trade. So a lot of automotive manufacturing goes on in Port Elizabeth, but it it doesn't have the greatest of reputations. Uh, I know in the eighties, it used to be called the armpit of South Africa. But um, apart from that, uh, you know being a kid growing up in Port Elizabeth it was just such a, a lovely place to to grow up to to make friends and to just have a little bit of fun. but um, one of the things that is really interesting about Port Elizabeth is that it, it has it has a lot of large charismatic lovely churches and and those churches are very well connected to influential global ministries and because of that, I had the privilege of, of becoming a, a Christian in one of those churches. And in the formative years of, of my faith, um, I had the opportunity to meet some, some powerful men and, and women of faith. I, I remember meeting Dave Cape. A lot of you probably don't know who he is, but um, I met him after hearing him preach at Harvest. Uh, and and the story is that that he gave up his, his business um, to be obedient to God and to to walk the length and the breadth of South Africa with a, a wooden cross that he made uh, with a, a water bowl fixed to the center of it. And he'd, he'd have this big water tank strapped to his back. Um, and every time he would, um, he'd, he'd he'd go go for these walks, it was a, a time of enormous tension in South Africa. He would, he would wash the feet of people that he came across on his walks as, a, as an act of service and pointing them to the, the servant-hearted, king of kings and the stories he told that he saw so many people get saved he saw so many people set free from bondages and sickness and disability he he did the same thing around the world in some very challenging places including Iraq and Kuwait during Desert Storm and the Sudan it was such a privilege to to know him and and have a a man with that level of faith speak into my life as I was growing up in the faith as a as a young man that was eager to find out more about Jesus and what it meant to to uh, be a Christian and, and more importantly what it meant to be a minister of the gospel someone that that um that wanted to reach others and, and bring them to faith it was wonderful to to have someone like that speak into to my life I also had the privilege of meeting Floyd McClung um, who who is famous for for starting a YWAM base in Amsterdam's Red Light District and writing the book, Living on the Devil's Doorstep, telling some of the the stories of of their time as a family there. Um, Remarkable stories and and such an influential man in in not just Wawam, but but in the body of Christ. And in a real sense, my, my faith was informed and shaped by their experience. By Their study, by their examples of answered prayer and their encounters with Jesus, it was their anecdotes of what the voice of God sounded like and how to be obedient and what to put aside as a as a unnecessary distraction that um, that spoke into my life i, I didn 't realize at the time how privileged I was to have these men and others in my life. So many Christians around the world have no one. All they have is is maybe the Bible or a part of the Bible and and one or two other believers who are a a few steps ahead. And when I moved to the the UK, I also realized that my experience in Port Elizabeth would not continue for the rest of of my life. Um, I would need to learn to walk on my own with what I I learnt from these guys, and and I guess there's there's something about that that I want to pick up on in in Timothy. So we're going to be in in chapter four of two Timothy this evening. So if you want to grab your Bibles uh, on your phones or, or your real paper ones with with leather binding and all of that sort of stuff, open those up to two Timothy and and find chapter four. We're going to start reading from from verse nine in a little bit, but. Um, I just wanted to quickly recap where we have been and the letter that we're in. So Timothy is a letter from Paul written to Timothy. That's the title of the letter. And Timothy is is based in Ephesus. It's a a church that was established on Paul's missionary journeys. And Timothy um, has been placed there as, as the leader of that church. The letter itself is a a part of a a group of three letters that Paul wrote called the the pastoral epistles or or letters. And um, those are 1 and 2 Timothy and then Titus. And they found together as a bundle in our New Testament. They called the pastoral epistles because they are personal letters to individuals rather than to churches, which is more like what Paul did so uh, for example Ephesians or Philippians are letters written by Paul to those churches and 2 Timothy is is a super short letter it's made up of of four chapters it can be read completely in about 20 minutes so yeah if you are out of practice reading your Bible 2 Timothy is a, a pretty good place to start um it's got personal direction um that it, it the, the the direction comes from from uh the, the, the person that, that wrote the majority of the New Testament and the insights at very close to the end of his life are very helpful to us all. Plus, it's 20 minutes from beginning to end. So not a bad place to start. So Timothy is much younger, and he's Paul's son in the faith, probably similar to, to who I was in the relationships with with Dave Cape. Paul is in a, a Roman dungeon as he's writing this prison and he's awaiting his execution. So he knows that he's going to die as he's writing this letter. Uh, Paul is alone. We'll see a little later, he says it again in, in the, the extract that we're going to look at, but he's alone. He's been abandoned by his friends due to fear of persecution. So they've scattered as Paul um, stood at his defense. And This is Paul's final and most personal letter. It was written around 67 to 68 AD. So it really is a good insight into into Paul's whole ministry and what he sees as important to, to hand to the next generation. So Paul's aim in this letter is exactly that. It's to encourage Timothy to keep going in his ministry after Paul has gone. So the structure is very simple. It begins with An introduction and some thanks, and then it's followed by encouragements for for Timothy to keep going in ministry despite the cost, Um, some reminders from Paul about how Timothy came to faith and the nature of that and um, where to go to when things get tough, how to find stable rock to stand on so that he can continue. And then Paul advocates the need to know the gospel thoroughly, not just as an academic exercise, but, but for Timothy's purposes to deal with those who are teaching lies. There was deception being taught in the church. People were, were preaching something other than the gospel. And it wasn't an all a blatant lie, it was, it was a twisting of the truth. So Paul advocates that you know the gospel thoroughly, you know exactly how it works, and you understand it fully so that you're able to deal with those who are teaching lies in the church. And then lastly, and this is where we're going to sit tonight, is is there are some some personal requests from from Paul to Timothy. So the letter contains exhortations to keep going in boldness, endurance, faithfulness, to keep going and following scripture and the, the need to pass that knowledge On to others this whole idea of of um, Paul passing this information on to Timothy but that doesn't end there Timothy you need to continue with succession, you need to. pass that on to others and that's why we've used this lovely baton image of a, a relay race, because, in a sense, this letter is a baton that's being passed from the apostle Paul knowing his life is about to end to Timothy. That he may carry on the race after paul is gone he's run his race faithfully he's passing it on to timothy what he has learned so that timothy may run well also and when we read it we need to read it like that this is a baton being passed to us so that we may run well also it's not just a lovely thing to do in the morning as part of a devotional because we're very good christians it's a baton that's given to us so that we can run the race well. Today, we end the series and we look at the final few words of Paul to Timothy. And, and as I've said before, they, they kind of call personal requests. If you look in your Bible, you'll see a little title above that. And, and I suppose because of that, they've, they've been a little bit overlooked, almost like the customary greetings at the, the end of a meeting. You know, there's there's not much new added to the discourse at this point. This is just kind of like the pleasantries to close off, but to do that to any of the words in the Bible would be an error. All, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful to the church. Secondly, this is a, a pastoral letter. It's, it's written to an individual with, with personal direction, which which stands out as exceptional in Paul's letters. His letters were were mostly written to groups of believers, to churches, not individuals. But, But even here, even though it is written to Timothy as an individual, it highlights one of the main points of all of those letters of Paul's, that the Christian life is to be lived out in the context of community, of family, of people that are unified by their faith in Christ and that this unity, this community is, is worth it. It's messy, it's disappointing, it's hard, it's inconvenient, it's exhausting and complicated but it is so, so worth it. Community is not a an inconvenient side issue, it's not something that that a Christian can choose to engage with or not, it's It's not something of of personal preference or or down to a personality type. It's not what the extrovert Christians do. It's an essential part of the Christian life and a part of God's perfect plan for all believers, all believers. In fact, this is a letter about ministry to a minister. And the point of it is that the minister's mission is to preach the gospel and build up God's people into a resilient, faithful community. The two are inextricably linked. The the success of one deepens the joy of the other. They they feed off of each other. They nurture each other, and and they work together to bring about God's plan for his chosen people on earth. So with that in mind, let's let's read the text together. So we're going to be starting in verse 9 of chapter 4. And this is Paul to Timothy. Do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia. Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus. I've sent to Ephesus when you come bring the cloak I left with Carpus at Troas also the books and above all the parchments Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm the Lord will repay him according to his deeds beware of him yourself for he strongly opposed our message At my first offence, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila and the household of Anesiphorus. Erastus remained at Corinth and I left Trophimus who was ill at Miletus. Do your best to come before winter. Eubulus sends greetings to you, as do Pudens and Linus and Claudia and all the brothers. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you. Now, as we we read that, I know it's a little bit choppy and it kind of, uh, it, it skips around a bit, but the main point there, the main thing that Paul is doing is he's encouraging Timothy to persevere in his calling, and he's using his own situation as an example of how to do that. He's not just feeling sorry for himself. Is using his situation as an example to help Timothy persevere. And, and, and you know, th- this is aimed at Timothy, so primarily aimed at those who are actively in the ministry, those that are preaching God's word, those that are looking after God's people and reaching out to those that do not yet believe. However, the application of this point that Paul is making is relevant for all of us. Why? Because the truth is, we should all be actively doing this. We should all be preaching the word of God to ourselves and to those around us. We should all be um, looking after his people, and we should all be reaching out to those that that do not believe. So so the points apply to us, and the challenges um, are the same for all of us. And I, I don't know about you, but when I read this, the that, that's some of the saddest words written in the Bible. But at the same time, the, the most glorious. Paul, Paul describes how he was, he, was, he was deserted at his hour of, of greatest need. And as he is encouraging Timothy to persevere, he's, he's, also, he's also reaching out to Timothy. And he's saying to him, come and support me at this time. I need your support. Come to me. But even though he's been deserted, what we we read in Paul's words is not a man defeated, not a man feeling sorry for himself, but a man who finds the strength required to persevere in his relationship with Christ, in his confidence in Christ, in his trust and his faith that Christ will complete what he started in him. He has absolutely no doubt, and I'm just going to read those words again. He has absolutely no doubt that even though everyone deserted him, he says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed, not just partially, but fully proclaimed and that all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom to him be the glory forever and ever amen he's been let down by his friends but he knows the one friend who is faithful to the end and will get the job done and he puts his faith and his strength his trust in him and that's where he he gets his strength and that's his lesson to to Timothy that's where you get your strength Timothy But let's not beat around the bush. There's going to be some serious, serious challenges along the way. You probably know this already, but it's going to get worse. And that's the warning for us as well. So under the banner of that big point, under that that important point, there's a cluster of other points which build a picture of a godly response to the opposition and disappointment that Paul has experienced, that Timothy can learn from and that we can all reflect on as we continue our journey as a local church an imperfect family led by a perfect father at first read i said earlier this this extract sounds choppy like it moves randomly from one thought to another unrelated thought almost like almost like when you're rushing out the door and you're you're trying to make sure you haven't forgotten something you know have have we got the keys Did, did you check if isaac has socks i left my coat upstairs i know so-and-so not responding to that, that question was so annoying. Why is it raining? It's, it's a, a little bit like that. And in a sense, it is a, a list of personal requests at the end of the letter, but there is so much beautiful insight into Paul's heart here and his relationship with people in there. So much which backs up this main point. So, so let's have a, a, a look at, at those quickly. Firstly, being a Christian is tough, it's, and it's relationally tough. There are a number of characters named in this extract by Paul, which probably cover at least at least some people you know yourselves. Please don't put their names in the chat as we go through this list, but there'll be some people that'll come to mind. And, and some of you may identify yourselves as one or two of these people as well. So let's not always be pointing fingers. but the, we'll all be able to identify these people and the challenges that they bring to, to us. So first of all, Demas, I mean, this, this is that, that person, you know, you thought they were on a a mission, but they just, they just faded away. They disappeared. As soon as things got tough, they were suddenly drawn away by something else that was far more important than, than what you were about. Now, Paul says that Demas, um, left because he was more in love with the world. We don't know what that means. We don't know what Paul was referring to. Was it a, a woman? Was it money? Was it comfort? Was it reputation? Did he get a, 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 a job offer no one could refuse? But the point is that Demas represents a person that, um, that who, who didn't have quite the strength of conviction that you thought they had when they started the journey with you and they let you down. When you needed them the most. More importantly, they let God down because they clearly, clearly, he was not as much of a priority as, as they made out. So yeah, maybe, maybe we know a demas. Maybe sometimes we feel like Demas. Or maybe maybe you know someone like Mark. I mean, the the assumption here is that this Mark is, is John Mark, who we hear about in Acts, who accompanied Paul on mission trips. Um, but they had a, a massive falling out, parted company, and you, you don't hear about uh, reconciliation in, in acts, but but the assumption is that the restitution must have been made at some point. Because, because the truth is, Mark was so good. You know, he was good at what he did and he didn't fall away. But the truth is, it doesn't matter how good some people are, they just rub you up the wrong way. You wish you could, but you just you just can't work with them, you find it hard, they're faithful to Jesus, but you can't work together, we, we're going to have people like that in our lives, or maybe, maybe Luke, I, this is a, a weird one, because Luke's that guy that's always around, He's, he wrote the gospel of Luke, he wrote Acts, he was hanging out with Paul a lot, he was documenting um, what he was doing, This is that someone that you'd expect to be there in the tough times. And we don't know what happened here, but, but inexplicably Luke is absent when Paul needed him most. He said, Paul says that, that all deserted him. However, Luke is back in the picture and uh, is with Paul at the moment. So, so maybe we have a Luke, someone that's, that's amazing. um, And we love, but we, we just can't figure out how come they weren't there for us when we needed them. The most. Or what about Crescans or Titus or or Tichikets, People you love, but whose calling has taken them to other places that you've invested in them, you've put your heart in them. There's a piece of you inside of them, and they've left and and gone somewhere else, and they're doing good things, um, and they they they're going great guns with God, but your heart's gone with them, a piece of you has gone with them, and, and when you see uh, pictures on Facebook or comments on Facebook, there's this sort of like tinge of bittersweetness where you're happy for them, but you, you're sad at the same time, so maybe you have some Crescens and Tituses and Titicus in your life, or, or Carpus, those who you meet on the way, you you you're kind of traveling on your Christian journey, maybe you've been to a a different country or a different town, and you meet someone along the way who who holds a piece of you, who takes a piece of your heart, because you've invested in them, they had a need, and and in Carpus's case, it sounds like maybe he was cold, and and, um, Paul gave him a coat, and now Paul's in need. Winter's coming and he needs his coat. So he asks Timothy to pop by Carpus's house and pick up that coat that he borrowed him all, of those, time, all, the, all those years ago. Um, you'll remember those people when times are tough. Perhaps you've got an Alexander in your life. I, there's, there's no getting about it yet. This, these are those that are actively opposed because of your faith. They're actively opposed against you. They're going out of their way to, to make life difficult for you. Um, but what about Trophimus, someone who you lost to illness or, or circumstance, Trophimus Paul had to send away because he was ill, um, we don't know what that illness was, but, but we may, maybe we've, we've started with people, we've gone to a certain level and we've realized that we, we have to let them go, or, or they've passed away, circumstances have, have moved them away from us or or then we have eubulus and all the others in rome those that are, are now with you but they've joined you further on in your journey and you don't necessarily have the history with them they're with you you love them but um you, you still remember those people from from way back when so you know i'm sure that we we all know at least one of these characters there's there's no denying that being a Christian is relationally hard. You're called to invest in people far more deeply than if you were not a believer. And that can be bittersweet. You can be let down, you can be rejected. Your heart can be broken when they fall away or they pass away. Even those that go on to good things leave with a piece of your heart. And, and those that are useful to you carry the potential to cause hurt simply due to differences in, in character. What is clear is that our Christian brothers and sisters aren't perfect and, and, and circumstances aren't perfect and they'll they'll let us down, whether through happenstance, through weakness, through fear or any other number of things. But what we see in this short passage is that firstly, letdowns don't always last forever. I mentioned Luke, he was clearly not around at Paul's first defense, but he's, he's with him now. Um, or Mark and Paul, they had that serious fallout I mentioned. And uh, here Paul is saying to to Timothy, get Mark and bring him to me because he is very useful um, to me in ministry. Um, So, yeah, and and then then this group of believers that that Paul refers to in Rome who who are now with Paul and familiar enough to be able to greet Timothy. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, fallouts don't always last forever. Disappointments don't always last forever. And then secondly, Christian friendships amplify joy in Christ. And this is is standing there in contrast in in Paul's note. Because Paul, despite these many relational disappointments that he, he lists, he clearly craves the company of his friends. He's reaching out to Timothy to come to him to bring Mark, there are these others in Rome who are with him, and Luke is with him, and this brings him comfort and strength in his time of dire need. He he did not let people's failings become an excuse for forsaking community, for giving it up as an unnecessary discomfort, but he was willing to push into people, because in part, Christian friendships amplify joy in Christ. They they serve as like a, like a lightning rod, like a conductor of his joy and his peace and his grace into Paul's life, into Timothy's life and into your life. There's something else that sits alongside this that I think is really important for us to, to look at. And it's that line where Paul asks Timothy to bring his books and above all the parchments to him. It's so intriguing to me. I mean, maybe, maybe you don't see it at first, but the point is this. He's facing his death, death, like imminently. We're talking about in weeks. He will soon be executed. He also happens to be one of the most scripture-saturated individuals of all time. He literally wrote the majority of the New Testament and no doubt knows the majority of the Old Testament by heart. So studying books and parchments, at this point seems superfluous, but it was very important to Paul that he had those books and those parchments. There was something in the study of scripture that helped him remain close to God. It was more than an academic pursuit. It was a a way of knowing God, of knowing Christ, being in relationship with him through that reading. It was a way of saturating his thoughts with the the knowledge of Christ. The words brought him life, and you know, for me, the challenge in this is we live in one of the most knowledge-saturated times in history. We have information flying at us from a, a million different sources, and if I was honest with you, um, as much as I love Jesus and I love his word, if I think about the percentage time that I spend in his word versus the percentage time that is spent in other words spoken into my mind, I would have to say that, that the word of God is in the minority there. And I, I think you'd all agree, but there is something about if if we want our words and our thoughts and our deeds to reflect Christ and our heart to feel like it knows Christ. We need to be saturated, immersed in his words. And that was important for Paul. I think for Paul, in a sense, these books and parchments were a bit like Dave Cape and Floyd McClung were for me. They were not just words on a page, but they were the thoughts and directions of other members of God's people. They they weren't just books. They were part of God's community. They were part of God's community that spanned time, not just space. These were the thoughts and and direction of of people that were no longer available in person. You see, I was privileged to have Dave and Floyd. Timothy was privileged to have Paul. But Paul understood that the roots of faith are, are not just grounded in our own experiences, but in the experiences of faithful saints that have gone before and laid the way and built the foundations upon which he now stands. So they, those people that are in those parchments and books were a means of grace for Paul, just as his living brothers and sisters were a, a means of grace for him now. And so as we say goodbye to Sunday Night Live and say hello to hashtag together together, as we move out of 18 months of isolation and back to meeting together face to face, this is where I want to end with an exhortation to you guys to to dive headlong into the two things that Paul did. Number one, a love of God's word and the study of it as as a way of knowing Jesus, not just an academic pursuit, not just something that you do because it's Good discipline, but as a way of knowing Jesus and being able to say with conviction, not just not just a pat answer, but with conviction that you know him and that you trust him to see you through the most challenging of circumstances. And and a love of books about God's word as a way of being grounded to the community of God that came before us, and a way of learning from their walk and experience with God, getting to, to know them as people through their words and getting to know God through their example and experiences. We don't all get to walk with great men and women of God, but we've got their record in books, and it's a wonderful resource to us. And then secondly, to throw yourself into God's community, regardless of how messy and painful it may seem. This community has always been a part of God's plan, It is to them that his promises have been given, not to you. Let me make that clear. His promises have been given to his people, not to individuals, his collective people. And they too will lift you up and direct your steps and embolden your spirit as you you live out your Christian life. So grab hold of these two things as as we move into being together together again and say, with Paul as he did in the midst of his most trying time that the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. So, Lord, I just want to thank you as we, as we close off Sunday Night Live and as we close off this series, Lord, that that we can look to you as the one who, who is trustworthy, who is faithful, who will never let us down. And, Lord, as part of that, we know that your, your perfect plan was always to... to to draw a people to yourself, to have a people on on this earth. And and Lord, we're so thankful that we are able to be those people. And Lord, as we look forward to next Sunday, we know that we're a local church. We're not the whole church, but that local church coming back together, together, and being in the same room and breathing that air and hearing songs sung about you and listening to your word and praying earnestly together. Lord is a symbol of our unity. And we look so much forward to that, Jesus. We look so much forward to that and, and look forward even more to the day when we can do it as one people in one, in one um, throne room, singing face to face to the King of Kings. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.